Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Daylight podcast for the 2019 NFL season for the at JM to win at one week season site. Uh, we're doing the podcast this week as a way to say goodbye to all our faithful listeners during the year. And also we are doing the podcast for free. So those who did not get to hear the pod this year, get a chance to see just how ineffective we can be. I am joined today by both Hilo, Mark Garcia, Hilo FF on Twitter, and the new kid, the, the wonder kid, Lex, Lexis Moore Moralia, M-I-R-A-G-L-I-A. You can find him on Twitter at Lex Moralia. He is taking on a bigger role at one week season, it would appear. And he has done a really great job filling in for Mark the last couple of weeks. Uh, I will get to them in a second. Uh, a quick wrap-up of last week. For the third week out in a row, I got to the 1% of the 1% in a pretty major tournament, the Flea Flicker. And once again, just couldn't get into the big money. I finished 11th out of 14,000. So... If you're wondering if my year was tough, um, you know, I'm just going to say that at times DFS is like football. Football is a rough game and often a cruel one. Every time you lose, you die a little bit. You die inside a portion of you. Not all of your organs, maybe just your liver. Pain is inevitable. And for the last three weeks, while it's been uh, close, there has definitely not been a cigar. We're going to try and remedy that this last week. Um, at this time, I would like to bring in both Mark and Lex. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the show. What's up, man? Good to be back. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think that's the first time anyone other than my mom called me like a wonder kid. Well, <laughs> how do you know that I'm not your, you know, secret Santa dad? <laughs> I don't think you prepared him for remarks like that, Todd. <laughs> well, you know, it's like it's like a really heinous comment, but when you say it like with Secret Santa, it's somehow not quite as offensive. Yeah, it's totally cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I know, I, I I know you're not my kid. You are way too good looking for that. Um, all right, so uh, let's start by talking about the slate in general. And, Mark, how do you tend to attack these uh, wild card four-game slates, and what is your plan for this week? 
Yeah, these smaller slates are really interesting. And if you haven't played other DFS sports, uh, MLB or NBA kind of primarily, you're not really too familiar with uh, these smaller slates, but a lot more outside-the-box thinking or game theory or uh, kind of off-the-grid plays outside of the likeliest scenario kind of situations have to be considered. So um, I like to find basically the core, what I'll call the core, and identify my core players, three, four, five, however that many that may be, and then uh, build off of the likeliest script from those guys. Lex, how are, how are you approaching this slate? Honestly, pretty similarly to that. Um, basically just using, you know, a kind of pool of guys that I've liked, basically from pulling all the research that I've done and kind of going from there and thinking about where others might be going. I'm doing it differently than both of you. Um, and, you know, I've been doing pretty good with this uh, Daily Roto Optimizer the last few weeks. And so my plan is to optimize the heck out of this uh, slate uh, using the uh, almost a showdown approach of what's the most likeliest thing to happen, but then what is the field not planning to do and building scenarios uh, around that using the optimizer. I plan to be pretty heavy on two games and pretty light on two games, but uh, that could change in hearing the wisdom of both of you. Uh, Let's start. uh, Well, I also want to say one other thing. A lot of that is because I, you know, DraftKings has been so good at pricing and the t- pricing has been so tight that a strategy uh, for me of having a ton of ownership on a, a core like I did last year uh, isn't that isn't as good. I, I, I guess it could be in a, a, a single entry or a three entry version. Uh, Lex, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh... I don't know. I, I'm I'm probably not the best person to ask about that, just because, like most okay, of my. Okay, um, Yeah, that's probably a better idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark's a single entry, a three entry guy too. So basically, uh, it's okay, Lex. I'm sorry I gave you a hard time. All right, let's move <laughs> on to the uh, to the first game. That and we're gonna go from JM's. Uh, you know, the, the edge down. So the first game on the edge is the Bills at the Texans. It is the Saturday at 435 game, so it is the first game. Uh, Mark, you know, I wonder instead of doing games, let's do positions. Mark, what are your thoughts on the quarterback position? Since that's kind of how we've done it most of the year. Yeah, so there's really – quarterbacks in the likeliest scenario that have the best chance of really going off and you really have to kind of think about game script uh, on smaller slates like these and and pick out maybe something that that the masses are missing Um, I think a lot of the ownership we'll start there is going to flow obviously through the highest scoring game and I think um, a lot of it is going to come from Josh Allen uh, Deshaun Watson, and then Kirk Cousins and Drew Brees. I think that's going to be the, the primary ownership pieces there. 
Um, so I don't think that a lot of people are going to pay up for Russell Wilson. He is in a good spot. Everything, or I wouldn't say everything because his play calling doesn't match this narrative, but everything else besides his own team's play calling lines up well for Russ to go off uh, this week. You've got the injuries that they're running back. You've got the um, Philadelphia defense being solid up front with their defensive line against the rush and them struggling with the deep ball. Um, the best thing Basically, there's two good things. We talked earlier, Todd, about this. Two good things that Seattle does well. They run the football and they pass the ball deep. So if they come out and they start throwing the ball on first, second downs, and they start getting aggressive earlier in that game, Russ uh, has a good shot of going off. If they come out and start running the ball on first and second down and playing not to lose and with a shot of winning the game in the fourth quarter, which is the likeliest scenario, then Russ is probably going to have a uh, – a, flatter game uh but my favorite quarterback on the weekend is probably Carson Wentz um with all the even with all the offensive injuries just price considered as well as um how that game could turn out with aggression coming from Philly uh they're at home trying to come out and win a game with all those injuries I think Carson Wentz is a solid play uh Lex your thoughts on the quarterback position uh, yeah, I'll talk about one guy, uh, Drew Brees. Um, Levitan's projecting him really high ownership, like 31 to 40. So I think a guy like that, when we have options like uh, Mark was just talking about, um, I, I don't know, I'd probably go underweight on that just because New Orleans can score in so many different ways. I mean, he is as much of a lock as any of these quarterbacks, but that is really high to pay for a quarterback, even on a small slate. I now, like now we've got – We've got his ownership right now at 24%. I kind of like the Adam Levitan. Where does he have Russell Wilson? He's got Russell Wilson at 13 to 16 on here. And is that the second highest? Yeah, he's tied. Him and Watson are both 13, 16, and then Wentz and Allen are below that at 9 to 12. And then Cousins is 5 to 8. So. Yep. All right, I'm sorry. I cut off your, your steam a little bit there, but I, I did think that that, uh, you know, that really does change my viewpoint, but I'll get to that in a moment. Go ahead, Lex. Finish your thoughts on quarterback. Yeah, and then certainly, I mean, it's not, Levitan's not, you know, 100% going to be accurate, but I, I still find that really interesting, just how high that is. Um, yeah, what I was saying about Josh Allen, I, I wrote about him in that matchup thing. The Texans have allowed a couple of quarterbacks to run over them a bit, which Allen obviously really likes to do. And uh, they've just been such a weak pass defense. Now, I don't, I don't like the idea of a rookie quarterback on the road in his first playoff game, but um, just purely matchup sense, I mean, you can't really ask for much better than what Houston's been allowing through the air. Um, and then with, an, with Allen and uh, John Brown and Beasley as two guys that can both take advantage of that secondary, I don't know, I, I, I like Allen a lot this week. Yeah, I, my first thought was to play a lot of Allen, uh, but the more I think about the most likeliest way that game goes is that it's low scoring. And, you know, the one mistake I don't want to get into is playing everyone. And, I, I mean, I, I'm still struggling. The one guy that you guys mentioned that I am going to be well over the field on is Kirk Cousins. You know, just give me the guy – who's got five to 8% playing in a dome. You know, he's had some horrible, horrible games down the stretch, but we also know he's got great receivers 
and that it is easier to, as JM puts in the, in his run up, uh, and you also met, mentioned Lex in your points. Uh, so let me let me go back to this whole daily roto optimizer. So one of the ways that I plan on differentiating is I'm going to make a rule and a, a variety of rules, but most of my lineups and I, right now I've got about 80 of them, 80 to 85 lineups. They're not made lineups, but I've entered 80 to 85 lineups in the same low dollar price points for the most part. So my thought process is that even though people know you can stack two receivers with a quarterback. I don't think everyone does it. And so one of the ways I'm going to differentiate is even except for the guy, like I'll play a little Josh Allen, no matter what, he's a guy that I would only stack with one. You know, I would only make a rule that you have to stack with one player. But even a Russell Wilson, uh, a, a, you know, a Kirk Cousins, you know, to win these slates, it, it, you're going to need a back and forth game. And I think you're going to need two receivers. Now, that being said, I'm also going to make a rule where you have a max of one of Rudolph, Ola BC, Irv Smith. And I'm not going to play a guy like Treadwell. Uh, you know, don't play bad players, even on us. I think that's another way that you can really gain an edge in these slates is the temptation is to try and catch lightning in a bottle and, and put a lot of ownership into these guys who are dart throws. Uh, and so I really feel discipline and making good rules in your optimizer is a way to differentiate yourself. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts on those points as well as the Kirk, my Kirk Cousins thought? Yeah, I actually, I didn't mention Kirk Cousins earlier, but he's probably my second favorite quarterback this week, um, simply for the likeliest game script that's going to develop in that game. Um, and we'll get to who I like pairing him with uh, when we get to some of the later positions. But the overall, with pricing so tight on DraftKings this week, you're going to have to get really creative with roster construction. We've alluded to the double tight end stacks uh, a little bit earlier this year. It's a cheap and effective way when pricing is so tight uh, if you are not sacrificing floor throughout the rest of your lineup uh, to kind of get a little bit of that ceiling thrown in at a cheaper price. Um, so it's definitely going to be difficult with pricing the way it is. You have to really, really decide where you're going to spend up your salary this week. Yep. Lex, your thoughts? Yeah, one thing I uh, – Warren Sharp tweeted something about the Saints-Vikings and uh, that teams have found more success going to 11, uh, away from 11 versus New Orleans, and Minnesota already runs 11 less than almost everyone else, if not, like, the least amount. Um, so he said that might be a really interesting matchup, which would obviously bode well for Cousins in that offense. Um, especially given how they've struggled recently. Yeah, I, I think that Dalvin Cook is, you know, right. Uh, what does Levitan have? To, I mean, we're, I'm showing 31%. What's uh, Levitan's uh, Dalvin Cook ownership? He has them um, 21 to 25 on here. Okay. So I, I think, you know, uh, in the playoffs, I do think you get more 
of the amateurs coming back, uh, you know, because they want to play a couple lineups and sit there and watch the games. Uh, so I, I, I think that again, yeah, I, I'm on, I'm on cousins. I'm, I'm going to pair him with at least two people on Minnesota and at least one person brought back from, uh, new Orleans. And, you know, I think that's one way to get good leverage on this slate. My other guy, I, I, I like Wentz. He's been growing on me a bit, but uh, you know, I, I, I was good. What, what my plan was kind of to go like 25% breeze and cousins and then 20% Wilson and Wentz and then five each of the other quarterbacks, you know, just to have a, you know, so you're, not, you're just not completely licking your wounds. Um, but, um, you know, that's definitely not final. Guys, before we move on, uh, uh, Lex, do you have any final thoughts on the quarterback position? Um, honestly, I, we've covered most of the stuff I like. The one last thing I'd say about Breeze is he's thrown multiple touchdowns in 12, 15 playoff games, and tw- two of those were on the road. Um he's as much of a lock if you're worried about ownership. I mean, he is as much of a lock at home as it gets. Yeah. uh, Agreed. I I think that if I, you know, up until you mentioned that 30%, I was planning on being even weight on him. I don't think I will go even weight on him. And then the decision is, do I go somewhere between 15, you know, where between 15 and 25 do I go? I, I don't think you can have, uh, uh, no position and just hope that to get lucky this week. Moving on to the running back position, uh, it is it's kind of ugly. Uh, JM talks a lot about the middle guys. I agree with him. I've got one especially that I am favoriting. Mark, who is your just your favorite running back right now? Favorite running back, even without price considered this weekend, is Devin Singletary. Lex, yeah, I I agree with that. He's he's basically been a guy I've focused on all week. Yep, I like I like Singletary, but I think he is going. Well, we show him at twenty five percent ownership. Uh, I, I I like James White. I mean, I was on even last night Sony Michelle Moore, but the more I think about it, I just think that James White and they've had these playoff games where. You know, they, you know, we all think, well, that last year in the playoffs, they just gave the ball to Michelle a ton, uh, ball control, and that's how they won. I really like James White um, as, a, you know, because he's, he's owned a lot less. You know, you don't need a ton. You know, he's going to catch five or six passes regardless. Uh, so I don't think he, I think the floor is pretty good. And if you get lucky and he gets one of those 10-catch, 100-yard touchdown games, you know, you've really vaulted yourself. Um, and, I'll, and, I'm, and I'm weakening a little bit on Singletary after reading the uh, NFL Edge. Uh, Mark, uh, what's the rest of your running back thoughts? James White is my number two. Um, and I think if you – at all think that Edelman will be limited in any capacity, I think you should be locking in James White and moving on. Um, 
you could there's always the possibility of paying up uh if you're paying up i'd probably look at dalvin cook even with the tough matchup uh 7800 is the cheapest he's been in quite some time um and we're expecting him to be healthy and we're expecting him to see a heavy dose uh workload wise um i know a lot of people will probably go to alvin kamara i'm not really liking him even at you know the third highest price running back this weekend he is depressed a little bit at 7400 but um just the way that that game is likely to play out. I don't think that he's going to see uh, the workload that you need even at that price. Uh, so I like I like James White. I like Devin Singletary, and then I like Devin Cook. Yeah, I I thought those are some interesting thoughts, Lex. Yeah, the Singletary and Camara uh, ownership scare me a little bit. They're both really high on here. Um, Dalvin, like I am worried about the matchup, but New Orleans has let running backs catch a lot of passes, even if they haven't allowed a lot of yards. So that's certainly one. If the game tips right, they just kind of just keep – he checks it down. They run some good screen plays for him. All you need is one busted play for him to take off. Um, James White, like you, were, you like both of you guys were saying, I mean, the Patriots, I think, are going to tailor their offense right now in a do-or-die game on what they can actually do well. And James White is someone that, one, is in a good matchup. Titans have allowed, I think, the second most running back receptions in the NFL – and um, even when Michelle was going off last year in the playoffs, I thought he only played under 40% of the snaps. So it's not like White's going to be not playing just because they're handing the ball off more to Michelle. Um, I really like that. He's projecting for half the ownership of Michelle as well. It's another plus. Um, I was a little bit more in on Scott and Homer earlier in the week, but I, that, that game's going to be so low scoring. The Seattle might give it to Lynch too many times. Uh, Miles Sanders is going to be active. So, like, all that stuff scares me a bit. Murray has just not put up one game worth rostering all year with Kamara active. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's tough. I, I I think I like the guys that we talked about more with White and uh, Singletary. I I am coming around on Homer. Um, and I, I think because of the reason, you know, that, you know, you have, by the way, Lex, those stats, uh, I, you know, I, I jam, I hope you got, you do continue to do what you did this weekend. That was, that was fabulous stuff. And uh, the, the, the snap percentages for uh, Michelle, excellent, excellent stuff. Um, one of the things, and again, I forget if it was from you or JM, but you talked about the sacks that Russell Wilson took in the last matchup. Well, one of the ways to deal, you know, that could mean a lot of dump offs for Homer. And I, I think that Homer is going to get the third down work. I think he's going to get the dump off work and he'll get enough carries too. I mean, there's always a chance that Robert Turbin two weeks in gets a bigger role. Uh, I think Duke Johnson is another guy who is uh, an interesting uh, guy. He seems to have gotten a little bit more action lately. And I think Boston Scott, because his salary has creeped up, I, I don't. And, and Sanders is supposed to play. I don't think Boston Scott's going to have a lot of ownership. And I think that, you know, in certain game script scenarios that I build, I think that, you know, when you have an injury, an ankle injury, you could A, be not effective, B, uh, re-injure it. So I think the scenario with uh, Boston Scott, um, you know, 
if I'm tr- you know tr- looking for a couple of sneaky guys, uh, those are two guys that I'm looking at. Uh, Mark, your thoughts on uh, those two guys? Yeah, so I'm taking more of a single entry or three max mindset this week. So I'm really only uh, looking at Devin Singletary, uh, White, and Dalvin Cook. Uh, but if you are playing off the MME style this week, Travis Homer is a good one uh, that you mentioned. And then uh, who was the other one you mentioned? Oh, oh wait, that was Homer. Um, Boston Scott. <laughs> oh, Boston Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Boston Scott is actually probably one of the higher leverage plays this week um, simply for the fact of what kind of injury Miles Sanders is dealing with. You know, that ankle injury could, uh, you know, get – fallen on by a lineman one wrong you know pivot foot anything like that happens and he's going to be out for the rest of the game so uh boston scott is a high leverage play this week now we we would be remiss if we didn't talk about my boy the king king henry uh the first of tennessee he is looking at a lot of ownership on our end uh is he looking on a lot of ownership from what you're seeing uh lex 26 to 30, so the third highest, um, uh, like a tier below Singletary. That's literally right where we have it, too. So I would say that I'm torn more on Henry than anything else because of what JM talks about, the big ceiling. So, you know, I'm going to think long and hard. Uh, The optimizer hates Henry right (laughs) now. Long and hard. Well, yeah. I can't, I can't, I I refuse to say anymore. Uh, But, uh, you know, God, if they only started throwing this guy's screen passes, because you do the play action and, you know, the the two things that they're going to try and stop are AJ Brown on play action and Henry when he runs the ball. So, you play action, you look down the field towards A.J. Brown, the defense really drops off and you hit them with that screen. You know, I I mean, I know they're not the greatest play callers in Tennessee, and I know I say this every week, but my goodness, this is the perfect situation, uh, and I hope they do it because I want to see the Patriots lose. All right, let's move over to the wide receiver position. I'm showing Michael Thomas with a 43% ownership. I wouldn't be surprised if it was higher. Lex, what are you showing, and what uh, are your thoughts on Michael Thomas and how you want to play him? Uh, Thomas is on here at 61 to 70. Um, I'm I'm honestly comfortable going overweight on that just because – well, I mean, there are a lot of receivers that I can feel comfortable, like, kind of throwing in there. But if, if you're going for a single entry or, you know, three-entry max type lineup, I, I think you kind of have to have him in your lineup. He's just he's, – he's had 10 catches or 100 yards – or I'm sorry, both in every single home game this year. He's been really good in the playoffs the last couple of years outside of the Rams game. I I just – the same whole offense is designed around him. I, I really can't see a path to him failing with how, you know, banged up and – you know, not good. The Viking secondary has been all year. Um, so he's, he's as much of a lock for me as anyone on here. All right. Uh, Mark. 
Yeah, so I mentioned when we just started the pod, uh, three or four or five, however many is your core. My core this week is Devin Singletary, James White, uh, Michael Thomas, and then one more that we'll get to here shortly. I'm just locking in and build around that is what I'm doing this week. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. Um, All right, so all year long, we have made big money fading. I mean, it, 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 it just fading a high owned wide receiver is smart business. Most of the time, um, Michael Thomas, because of his catch rate is that guy who, you know, might be the exception to the rule. If he's going to be 60 to 70% owned, I'll be under. I, I don't know how much under, uh, maybe 30, 40%. Uh, but I just, you know, wide receiver, I know he catches a ton of passes, and he's not like your average receiver because, you know, he, he's not dependent on balls 15, 20 yards down the field. But to really kill you at 9,300, He's got to put up at least one, maybe two touchdowns. If he goes 10 for 100 with no touchdowns, 23 points, he hasn't killed you. If he goes 10 for 20, uh, 10 for 100 and uh, one touchdown, 29 points, he hasn't most likely killed you either. So you're really needing at that ownership him, you know, to put up 35 to 40 points for it to give you the kind of leverage where I think it's better leverage than being under him. Uh, that's just my thoughts. Uh, who wants to yell at me? So I'll go ahead, step Mark. in real quick. The, yeah, the, uh, in order to win a four-game slate, you're going to need the highest score, whatever player, whatever position that is of the weekend. And Michael Thomas has the clearest path to being that highest score. So I wouldn't – I would caution, I guess I would say, on being too far underweight that uh, simply because the fact it's going to – more has to go wrong than go right for Michael Thomas to be the top-scoring player on the slate, if that makes sense. It does. And, you know, if you look at his um, – go ahead, Mark, your turn. Oh, Lex, all you, bud. Uh, I was – I mean, the reason I'm hesitant is probably because I can't find easy pivots off using him. I just don't like enough of the other players. I mean, I like John Brown and Beasley's matchup, but neither one of them has really put up you know, scores that you, you would want in your rosters. Edelman's banged up. You know, Metcalf and Lockie are just kind of hoping one of them is the one that catches the deep ball. It could have it could be David Moore for all we know. Like, I just don't like enough guys to be off Thomas when Jam talks about he's basically an extension of the run game with his target depth and catch rate. He's just so hard to not put on my roster with these other guys on the slate. Agreed. And he's put up between – 25 and 35 points often enough. Um, and other than that, you know, you know, the last five or six weeks, 
But, you know, we have started, you know, we have started seeing them hand the ball off to Kamara more. And, you know, it had, it wasn't just one week. It was two weeks in a row where Kamara has gotten a lot of touchdowns. So, uh, again, I won't be too far under, but I, right now as I'm sitting here, I'll see what the optimizer does uh, as well before I tweak it. But I, I, I just think that, you know, if you really want to scale the heights, you know, I, 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 I could be wrong, but I don't see enough value on the slate where I can make up for it by hitting, I don't know. I don't know. It's a really tough call. Uh, Mark, who's your second, third, fourth favorite wide receivers? Adam Thielen is probably my 1A, simply for the fact that he's priced up on DraftKings, and the recency bias bug is going to be 100% in effect for him. Now you throw in the matchup on the opposite side, and he is the clearest path for the Vikings to move the ball on offense. It goes. It comes shake down a little bit to how healthy really is he, but I'm gonna put my, I guess my money, my bankroll, my my entries into a talented player who has the best matchup on his team, who is going to have very very little or suppressed ownership. Well, uh, and then six, I really like. I like that too. Go, go ahead. ahead, go. Finish. Uh, go and ahead. then my third favorite is probably DK Metcalf. Uh, for how I see that game playing out for the, you know, Philadelphia's defensive struggles with a deep ball and with how he has kind of taken on an increased role uh, as the season has progressed. Lex? Um, I agree on the, uh, on Thielen and then Diggs as well. I think both are drawing a lot. They're both projected to draw a lot less ownership than the other guys. And I wrote in that matchup saying, like, both have absolutely crushed in this matchup three years in a row. And it looks like Lattimore is going to have, once again, another running mate with him in Janoris Jenkins. Um, I just – both those guys, like, Lattimore, he's been really good against bigger guys like Julio, Evans, Cooper. But these shiftier guys like Thielen and Diggs have been the ones that have been a lot harder for him to cover. So I, I'm not super worried about the matchup, especially if the game environment goes how we expect. I like Metcalf a lot, too. I think he, he's getting targeted exactly where the Eagles get hurt. Um, I, I, I don't know how I feel about Lockett, even though he gets targeted D2, but the, they've been a little bit better against the slot, and I trust Metcalf's size on the deep balls a little bit more. Um, and then about Michael Thomas, I think because he's going to be so high, we'll probably expect you know Josh Hill and Taysom and all those guys to score. Uh, you know, that, that's probably <laughs> yeah. how it's going to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to throw out another name. It was a guy I was drafting a lot in the 20th round of best balls uh, early and uh, before the Metcalf signing. He, he also showed a really good deep uh, game, and he scored a touchdown last week that got called back. He's only 3,400, and the other wide receivers who've been splitting time with him are both hurt. I, I really like David Moore this week. And I, I plan to have a very, very, you know, right now we're projecting his ownership at 2%. What, what do you have it at, Lex? David Moore is 5 to 8. So not at the All very right. bottom, but close to it, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the 5 to 8 is closer to reality. 
I I think that I'm going to have 15 to 20 of David Moore. I think that um, you know he you know my whole thing is always play good players, and I see him as a guy who has more talent than opportunity, and those are the guys I like to invest in. Uh, you know, at three times the ownership projection. So uh, David Moore is my my guy this week. Uh, Lex, your thoughts on that? I like him too. For honestly, for the same reasons I like Metcalf. He all the Seattle receivers get targeted with a pretty high A dot. Philly boosts it. I I like Moore as a guy. I think he's had a few nice touchdowns over the last couple of years. So I I don't mind him at all. I, I like him. Uh, Mark. Yep. Uh, echo both of those sentiments. Last guy I, I want to, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on all these guys, but Traquan Smith, JM highlighted, he seems to have surpassed Ted Ginn. I think, you know, if uh, in lineups where I am playing Michael Thomas and Drew Brees, I think that Traquan is, I think, you know, if, if you figure Thomas at 60%, Breeze at 30%, and Traquan at 10 12%, a lineup that's going to have all three of them is probably only about 3 to 5%. And that's a way that you can differentiate. So um, that, that, that's my last guy. Anybody else that either one of you want to talk about any of you want to stand for Nikhil Harry? Nope. Uh, we'll take that uh, as a no. I don't. I don't mind playing Corey Davis just with how he's played. Like again, that would be multi-entry. Just throwing him in there. He's projected really low, and he has Jason McCourty is going to be out, I believe. Um, so I don't. I don't hate that if you're trying to go away from Derrick Henry and AJ Brown, maybe. And then I will say in favor of Traquan, it suits much better for him than Ginn, regardless of, if, like, snap-wise. Minnesota, even though they've been weak against receiver, they've been really good against explosive plays. And obviously, Ginn is only going to hit for you if he's, you know, hitting a deep touchdown. Awesome stuff. Let's move on to the tight end position. Uh, Mark, I think you've been dying to throw a name out for a while. I'll let you go first. Yeah, the obvious answer here is Goddard. Um, I'm going to surprise you a little bit. Um, I mentioned the double tight end stack earlier. Um, I really like Dawson Knox this weekend, and he's not going to have any ownership. Everyone's going to be, if paying for the Buffalo passing game, everyone's going to be obviously at the wide receivers with Smokey um, and Beasley. And no one's really going to pay Do- or play Dawson Knox. They held him out of their Week 17 game Obviously, he's a big part of this offense, and they want him to be. So, uh, at 2.9, 2,900, he's a, an interesting way to, to fit the Michael Thomases and, you know, those higher-end guys that we talked about. Yeah, I think the spread, uh, normally, you know, the one area where I think it could pay off, and it often does in Wild Card Weekend, is to, to spread your player pool out of, quote, good players is that tight end because of the volatility and the touchdown dependence. And and in Dallas Goddard's case, the ownership. Uh, Lex, what is the ownership you're showing on Mr. Perkins? Perkins is on here at 
second, uh, 17 to 20. So they have him, he has him below Dallas Goddard. Yeah, that's right. We're, uh, we have him too. Uh, I like Perkins, but maybe not at 17%. I think Jacob Hollister, uh, you know, Jordan Aikens, Fells always seems to catch a touchdown in a big game. Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith, uh, you know, Matt Lacoste. I mean, there are just a, a number of these tight ends. And I think I'm going to let the opto. Uh, I won't. I won't be doing uh, two tight end lineups, but I think you know, giving a real good shuffle to the optimizer, and letting you know my my tight end ownership be spread a little, is an interesting way to differentiate this week. Lex, your thoughts on the position? Uh, I love Goddard this week. He's he's definitely a little high in ownership, twenty one twenty five, but. I mean, he's going to get. The I most think it's going to be higher than end. that. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's. I think it's going to be forty percent, especially in single entry. Yeah, so that that's definitely tough to to swallow. But I mean, he is obviously he's going to be high on for a reason. I like Cook, even though his targets have gone down the last couple of weeks. He's been really consistent with Breeze. Um, he's definitely high. You know, he's so close to Goddard in price. It's a little weird, but I don't. I, I'm fine with the matchup and then I do like what uh, Mark was saying about Knox especially I think Houston just had their safety Deshaun Gibson just went on IR and he's you know usually the guy that's covering tight ends on their team so I don't mind that I don't I don't mind John New Smith either as the guy to look down at, at that lower price range just because he's a super athletic guy he can he can beat um, one of the safeties in New England in, in uh, coverage like I said they're already down a starting corner I think their defense is as good as it is, it's still a little bit overrated um, based on their schedule. So I, I don't hate him as a guy that could, you know, hit for you. Gotcha. Um, all right. Let's move over to defense. And I really haven't put too much thought into this, uh, but I like, and they're not highly owned. I like the Titans at the 2,400. I mean, they have Bingo. scored points every week. Almost every week. I've been kind of a Titans D fan for the last two years in best ball. I'll go first this time, and I'll say that that price and that ownership is just too low. Um, I think the Patriots are obviously a good D. Uh, I'm not really interested in it. Uh, if the Texans are going to be the highest owned D, uh, I, I think that they've put Josh, the Bills have put Josh Allen in enough good positions that, you know, I, I just, I don't see it. So, uh, Lex, uh, your thoughts on my thoughts and overall on defense. Uh, yeah, what you're saying about the Bills, Allen, is, they've definitely been better at protecting the ball for the ever since that Patriots game earlier in the year. Um, although I will say Houston on here, by Levitan at least, is projected um, tied for – the second most ownership with Bills and New England. They have New Orleans that double everyone else at 26 and 30. So that's it, definitely not as high as I would have thought. Um, but I think you can kind of play either of those defenses. And then what Mark was saying about, or both of you were saying about Tennessee, um, I, I don't mind that either. It, I have a tough time envisioning turnovers in that game, but uh, they definitely can get pressure on Brady. Mark? 
Yeah, Titans are probably my favorite price considered defense. Neither or none of us have brought up uh, so far the weather expected in New England. They're expecting a a, a winter storm uh, with likely some good snowfall and likely some good wind. So what that's going to likely do, especially with how New England and Tennessee are both built, they both are built to kind of march the field. It's likely going to suppress scoring. So, um, yes, less of a chance for turnovers to develop in that game, especially with the weather and likelier um, kind of less aggressive play calling. Uh, but for score suppression alone, t- Titans at, at 2,400 are looking pretty good. Obviously, the Patriots up top at 3.4. Uh, Tennessee has, Tennessee offensive line um, is 32nd in the league in adjusted sack rate allowed. So they've uh, adjusted sack rate being uh, taken into account all the kinds of different things, but I've mentioned it a bunch on the pod this year. Um, and Patriots are likely going to be an aggressive defense after getting embarrassed by Miami last week and losing their bye. Uh, so I don't mind that if you have the salary. And then an overlooked defense this week that I think could pay off is actually the Seahawks. Um, I like that I would that put too. good money. Yeah, I would put good money on the Seahawks and Philly being the lowest scoring game on the week. Um, just basically, again, it depends on how Seattle's going to come out with their game plan, if they're going to be aggressive first, second down or not. Um, but that is uh, somewhere somewhere that I don't think a lot of people are going to look that has a better than ownership will dictate chance of breaking the slate. All right. Um, I like that call. Uh, Mark, a, a special thanks to you for doing so many weeks with me this year. It's been an honor, my friend. I want to thank you so much for uh, your time, your energy, and your good calls. And I know that the listeners really appreciate the hard work you put into this. And I can't wait to talk to you during best ball season. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, man, it's been a blast. OWS Nation, we'll see you. Lex, um, my, my, my shooting star, well, not my shooting star, but the shooting star of the program, uh, Thank you again for your contributions. I'm looking forward greatly to everything you're going to be doing going forward. Yeah, man, I really appreciate having me on. It's been great. That is going to do it for me. I'm Todd from PA. I want to thank every one of my listeners. I will be starting up with best ball again at some point. Um, I do know that unless some lightning bolt comes out uh, from somewhere, I am not looking to work for a site, uh, meaning I'm not calling around looking to work uh, like I did with uh, TQE last year. We parted ways very, very amicably. Um, I really want to do my Run the Daylight show. So uh, that's a a lot of the reason why we talked about, um, you know, every week it was the Run to Daylight podcast for one week season um, I, I do have a little bird in my ear that uh, JM to win might be willing to come on and do a early best ball podcast. So that should be fun. And I will be on Twitter letting all of you know, I, I wish all of you the best uh, going forward, the rest of the playoffs and beyond. I made the decision to make this the last week instead of next week. There's always a slight chance that would change, but If not, I look forward to having a lot of you follow me over for best ball. 
It'll be interesting to see what happens with draft now out of the way. Um, I'm hoping the FFPC steps up with some tournaments and, um, you know, it'll be, I'm hoping that DraftKings comes along for the party, but uh, either way, I want to thank everyone. And that is going to do it for the run to daylight podcast this year for the OWS nation. Thanks especially to JM to win for giving me the opportunity to do this. We'll see you boys.